Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Big Boss Book Club. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Big Boss Book Club. You can follow us on Instagram at Big Boss Book Club, on Twitter at Big Boss 010. Both those profiles have our link tree there. The link tree will send you to our Kofi page, um, where you can leave a small donation should you wish to. Also, it will link you in to places where our podcast can be heard, and also to our colleagues over at Cheap Shot Entertainment and Squared Circle Jobbers. Um, please leave a review like follow subscribe wherever you can um, any and all support is greatly appreciated uh, thank you for listening to this um, enjoy the rest of the show hello and welcome back to the big boss book club this episode is going to be a little bit odd for me i'm going to be talking primarily about the trading card game Magic the Gathering. Um, anyone who knows me knows I'm I'm not really a, a Magic player. Not really even a Magic fan. Um, I've played a few games uh, of the actual physical game. Um, I've played a few games of that over the years. Never really took to it or ever really bought in. Um, it's just something I never really picked up. But I think it would be remiss of me to not acknowledge the fact that Magic the Gathering is the biggest trading card game in the world not only that it's also the the father of trading card games it's the mother of trading card games it's the grand pooba of trading card games without without magic none of the games would exist no uh, pokemon uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, um versus system rodeo none of these games would have ever existed without the success that magic the gatherings had um so essentially what I'm really going to do this this episode is just talk a little bit about A, the history of Magic. Not too much into it. I've, I've done a little bit of research just to give you an overview how the game is played sort of deal. Um, but what I really want to talk about is the what appears to be a changing business model for Wizards of the Coast. This kind of kick-started in 20, um, 2018. So essentially I was listening to an episode of the Covenant cast, which is a Team Covenant's podcast. They're very much talking about, they like to talk about the business side of things. And I'm quite interested in that myself, probably a little bit more sometimes than the actual playing and, and designing elements. I'm, I'm quite interested in the business side of things. Um, but they were essentially talking about the role that uh, the Flesh and Blood trading card game is trying to fill. And they're talking about how they're going for almost an opening that Magic the Gathering or Wizards of the Coast uh, are leaving. So I really wanted to sort of have a look at it and, and sort of have a little, little bit of a research into it myself. So what they essentially said was that Magic is, or Wizards, are, they released Arena, Magic the Gathering Arena, which is now everywhere. So PC, laptop, uh, mobile, tablet, iOS, it's Android, it's everywhere. It's on all formats. Uh, June this year, I think it was when it finally um, released everywhere. And the Hasbro announced that in uh, 2019, and so going into 2020, that Magic was essentially their most profitable segment, uh, very close with Monopoly. And I mean that was reported in Forbes. That's not that's a that's a serious publication right there. Um, so I just wanted to really uh, talk about it. <laughs> um, so Flesh and Blood are essentially trying to go after those areas 
physically in store they're trying to incentivize stores to pick them up and sell them and teach people how to play that game which is something that magic used to really really do like i've i can't count the number of places i've been to where they've been like oh yeah if you're interested in playing magic i can give you this free box and it's got two 25 card decks in and they're one's green and one's blue or, or one's red and one's white and and you can play them off against each other or you can put them together and make one deck and and i'm always kind of like oh no no thanks it's just not for me but um you know they're saying that that really that magic uh, well wizards sorry are moving really away from that almost and they're not supporting stores as much i appreciate that there's been the lockdown so there hasn't been that opportunity to do it as much but potentially that with the success of arena that actually they may move away not necessarily fully from physical product but they may put a little bit more push into that digital format so and also on the back of that in 2018 wizards announced that they were going to set up a direct store through amazon so they said okay well people have been buying our stuff through amazon for years but now they can buy directly through us we don't want this to hurt the local gaming stores but you know we because people have been buying it through amazon anyway we're just now aiming to get those people to buy through us rather than through stores which I think is a very negative thing to do anyway, because you, you, instead of hitting your friendly local gaming store, you're just hitting that poor guy who only sells online, or even that friendly local gaming store who has an online shop. <laughs> you, so you're still sort of hitting them. Um, and so the thing is, like, this is going to surely affect these places long term. Well, you know, I know the pandemic has made everything harder for everyone. Um, printing and distribution took massive hits, and I'm sure um, wizards, um, you know, were probably fueling their Amazon store before they were passing it out to to people to distribute to your local gaming store or your online retailer. Um, and like I said, Magic the Gathering Arena now has, has really expanded to sort of every platform it can be on. So it's it's now more accessible, really, than ever to to an even broader audience because of that mobile app. So you can get it on your tablet, you can get it on your phone, iOS, Android, it's all there. If you're just flicking through or looking for a new game to play on your phone, oh, what's this, Magic the Gathering Arena, let's have a look at it. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, uh, Wizards also, they've got... Uh, deals with sort of novels comics at one point there was even talk of a potential movie i don't know if that's still going ahead but i know at one point there was talk of it um and with a number of sort of online personalities people like twitch streamers youtubers these people seem to be popping up all over the place podcasters <laughs> uh, were popping up all over the place so you know what i really want to look at is kind of that evolution from the sort of grassroots trading card game to what is potentially going to be a massive online digital retailer. And I think that's it's kind of interesting. But I'm kind of worried. As someone whose goal it is to eventually run their own game shop. I find it quite scary. The idea that I even I sat there and said to myself when I was coming up with my business plan. Well I know I'm going to have to get in magic. It's not really something I want to do. I don't really want to push it. I, you know, I want to push other games that that i think are great so games like for example flesh and blood um big yugi player obviously um you know things like the sort of the lcgs arkham horror that type of stuff that's what i was looking at but i think you can't do you can't make money on them things 
without having that Magic the Gathering concrete level underneath. And I think that's unfortunately become, you know, I do say unfortunately because I, I, it does seem a bit of a shame, but it, it does feel that that's really where stores need to be. And then sort of you you go, okay, well, I've got this nice concrete base of, of Magic the Gathering that's keeping me in business. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take advantage of that and I'm going to start trying to throw out games that I quite like or I think are worth, are going to be big. Again, get your Yu-Gi-Oh players in, your Pokemon players in, you, you're throwing out new games like Flesh and Blood, you've got your living card games, Marvel Champions, Arkham Horror, um, you know, and you, then you build more on it, but you're always going to have that base. So I just really want to have a look at the evolution of Magic the Gathering to where it's become almost a, a lifeline for friendly local gaming stores, mm-hmm. but how it appears that the business is trying to move it away from that. Um, this is going to be quite a long episode. It's a big, big backstory to cover. It's a big thing to discuss. Um, but I think it'll be quite an interesting episode and quite quite fascinating for me because I don't really talk much about the business side of things or even what I think is is happening in the background I've always been sort of talking about the game and how it plays and my 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 thoughts and feelings on the game but we'll, we'll see what happens I've got a couple of guests this episode I'm going to be seeing all of my former next gen cohorts um, I'm going to have my mate Blakeman on he's going to be talking about it my friend Martin will be coming on and my friend Jim will be on as well um, so we'll go for a quick musical interlude we'll come back we'll talk a little bit about the history of Magic the Gathering, a quick brief on how the game is actually played. Uh, again, I'm not a rules um, guru. Um, I do remember a lot of things, but um, I've kind of had to sort of get a brief overview of the game and just uh, summarise it. So we'll go through that. And then we'll talk really about Magic Arena. Then we'll get our guys on. We'll do our little bit of uh, our three sort of interviews. Um, my Then we'll jump into sort of a you know, just kind of thoughts, feelings about everything that's happening and, and then we'll call it there. So it will be a long episode, but I hope you enjoy the, the show. Uh, we'll go for a break and we will be right back. Hello, welcome back. Okay, so we'll jump straight into the history of Magic the Gathering. Um, actually, while I was doing the research for this, a few things I... I I sort of noted I wasn't actually aware of I thought they were different dates or uh, things like that so Magic was actually first released in in, in 1993 now in my mind I don't know where I got it from but I thought it was released in like 1988 so I'm well out there for some reason so I was actually six years old at the time Magic the Gathering was released um boy does that make me feel old um it is noted as the very first trading card game. So trading cards existed beforehand, things like sort of the proverbial baseball cards and stuff like that. But but in terms of actual game, this is the very first trading card game. Um, and you know, still now without a doubt, I think I've already said it. It's the biggest one in the world, really. The the closest play contender is possibly Pokemon, um, maybe Yu-Gi-Oh. Short behind it, but but Magic is is still your main your main one now. So, you know, for the better part of 30 years, not bad. Um, it was designed by a chap called Richard Garfield. Now, when I 
read his name something in my mind pinged and i went i know this guy's name from somewhere uh, he actually developed a uh, keyforge for fantasy flight games um, i also learned he was involved in the original um, version of vampire the eternal struggle the original star wars tcg and also the king of tokyo <laughs> which i think is phenomenal that's a, that's a very wider range of of games this chap was was into uh, or his is sort of involved in but the Keyforge thing for me was was very big. If you've listened to this show before, especially in the sort of epilogue episode and the the LCG TCG episode, um, we do talk about uh, Keyforge and how it's a very very unique. Well, it's a unique deck game. It's, it's a very unique um, model for for games. So so absolutely phenomenal to hear that the guy who who revolutionised um, trading card the, the the words trading cards um, has has sort of looked to c- continue that that revolutionary approach. Um, the game essentially from what I'm, I'm sort of uh, reading was initially in, inspired by sort of Dungeons and Dragons that sort of fantasy game um, element the actual original title for the game was five magics due to the five classes that were in the game essentially it was demoed at the Gen Con in 1993 and later released in August that year um, and by October if these stats are right they'd sold over 10 million cards by by October, from August to October in '93, ten million cards. That's absolutely phenomenal. Um, like most trading card games, obviously you get new cards via expansion sets, special editions, new decks, things like that. Very, very similar to pretty much how every trading card game, the or the trading card game model, I guess. Um. One of the unique things, well, it used to be unique things about Magic Pokemon do something very similar, is they actually have almost life cycles for sets, where eventually that um, cycle or, or set will get rotated out. So they'll release so many sets, and there'll be a point where they go, okay, anything before X set is no longer usable in sort of major, sort of what they call modern format uh, events. Versus System did a take on it. With their uh, Golden Age, Silver Age, and Modern Age, um, Pokemon still do it set rotation where they release so many sets, and then anything that came before it essentially is done, and then they keep moving forward with say, I don't know, six to eight sets that are always in, that will always be usable. See, for me, it's a bit of a the rotation thing is a bit of a source of controversy for me so i always feel like if you're a serious tournament player and you've gone and you've spent a fortune on all these cards to give you the best possible deck and suddenly someone says to you oh yeah by the way they're uh, they're no longer need you can't use those cards anymore because we're not reprinting them and then they're in a set that's no longer used in in the main format of tournament play i feel like i would be pretty annoyed with that <laughs> um Yu-Gi-Oh work around it a little bit differently they have the ban list so they depending on how the the meta is playing they will um do their best to hinder things that i see in the top of the table at all times they will try and hinder those by banning cards that are critical to their combos or they'll um, limit them or unlimit cards that work against them and stuff like that so that's how they generally go about that um the game itself, when they start getting it rolled out for events, they actually set up their own regulator, uh, the Duelists Convocation International, or the DCI, uh, which was actually set up at the end of 1993. 
essentially to provide almost governance and rulings for, for Magic the Gathering events. Which I think is phenomenal, actually. Um, although that uh, program itself was actually absorbed by Wizards, by the sounds of it, a lot of the terminology... Um, so it's like your player is your player number is your DCI number. A lot of the terminology is still used, but the the actual thing itself is is pretty much non-existent anymore. Something I did find interesting when looking into tournament play was there is a, a pro level, so almost like how you get with uh, poker. So you can get like a pro tour with poker, where if you play enough poker events and you qualify to get onto there, you can play in these pro pro events and and actually win some money, win some 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 quite good sums of cash um, at one point there was a 10 million dollar prize pool i'm not sure what they're doing at the moment um, but that it if, yeah, if you can get a big chunk of that you're, you're laughing aren't you um very similar to poker so if you look like the world world poker tour and stuff like that if you're if you're eligible to get into those events they're big buy-ins but you can win quite a lot of money from them um in november 2017 i know we're skipping a bit ahead but probably more relevant to the conversation we're having. The beta test for a new digital platform was released in November 2017, named Magic Arena, um, which would be an online digital platform through um, the PC and, and laptop and stuff like that at the time. The full version of the actual release was done in 2019, um, on Windows anyway. iOS didn't get it until 2020, but now mobile devices, Android, smartphones tablets are all able to access it as of this year 2021 something that i did pick up and something i did want to throw out as well hasbro confirmed that between 2008 and 2016 over 20 billion magic cards have been printed like that's a lot <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of cards that's a lot of trees we are magic is not not about helping the environment. Um, and between 1993 and 1997, two billion had been sold. So just from that level of demand, so what you got four years there, two billion had been sold, and then between what, eight years, twenty billion. So that just shows the market for this product and such a massive growth in in terms of their their, their output and, and the demand it, it's just absolutely uh, staggering when you see numbers like that it's like wow that's that's a lot um absolutely phenomenal um so then that takes us to the modern day where you know at the moment magic events aren't really happening except for on arena they even um, split the prize pool and even had the uh, the world championships, I believe, all via arena. So, you know, arena is now where we're at in terms, of, especially in the current environment with, with everything that's happening with COVID and the lockdowns and, and the pandemic. Um, we're seeing it sort of move, move towards that. But yeah, I mean, Magic the Gathering Arena has now been uh, fully rolled out. So pretty much everyone can get it. I think it makes it unbelievably accessible, which is quite nice. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about that um, shortly. Um, so we'll go for another quick musical break because that pretty much wraps up the history. We'll come back. We'll do our classic how to play. Um, I'll give that a spoiler now. I'm not a rule book. Um, it's not going to be the most detailed of uh, of uh, explanations, but we'll we'll do what we can. Uh, so we'll go for a break, and we'll be right back. So we're just going to look at the 
rules for or how to play for Magic the Gathering. Um, I've maybe only ever played four, maybe five physical games. Um, I've probably played more on Arena than I have, um, and again, only really doing the um, uh, the color challenges at the moment, or at the time of recording this anyway. So essentially, the the theme is that you take on the role of a, of a planeswalker, and you're fighting against your opponent with your 60-plus card deck uh, in an attempt to reduce your opponent's health from 20 to zero. Um, two types of cards exist. Um, you've got your lands and spells, Spells then being split into multiple types, such as instants and, and creatures, for example. Each turn, you play a land card from your hand and put it into sort of your, your mana area. It becomes part of your, your mana pool. Um, and essentially, you use that mana to pay for the costs of your spells. Um, the decks are... are essentially based around five different uh, colours or five different types of uh, magic. So very similar to sort of classes um, when comparing to other games, you look at maybe Lord of the Rings, um, uh, Marvel Champions, Arkham Horror, all use different classes. So for example, in Marvel Champions, it's uh, protection or leadership, where in, in magic, you've got the five, which are red, black, white, green and blue. Um, anyone who played uh, Duel Masters or Kaijudos, it was later um, renamed, the mechanics of this game are very familiar. Um, so you have to put your mana down, you use your mana to pay for those cards. The mana has to be at least uh, matching what's on the cards. So for example, it might say you need um, two mana, but you need to also play at least one black mana, for example. As long as you're playing that one black mana, the other mana can come from anywhere. Um, Duel Masters operated something very similar, where you would put uh, something into your mana zone and you would tap it. As long as one of those mana matched the, the card you were playing, it was all good. Um, essentially, that is really it. They have developed a couple of different formats. There is commander format, for example, where you have like a commander card, which is like a, a, a unit you bring out. Um, there's other different types of formats that they've brought out, but the main game itself is essentially that. You you have 20 life points. The objective of the game is to get your opponent down to zero. You do that by bringing out monsters and well, creatures using your mana. Uh, those creatures can essentially will attack your opponent. When you're in that combat step, if you've got a ready or untapped uh, creature, you can use it to block that attack. The creatures will then fight off. The one that has the higher um, power will more than likely win. Um, you can use other cards. So like I said, they've mentioned things like sort of instant spells that you can cast, where you can use it during those phases. Um, so give your you give your creatures like a buff, maybe like plus one, plus one, for example, um, to their attack and health score. But essentially, I mean, combat itself is, is, is pretty basic. You're essentially just hitting your opponent directly unless your opponent blocks. You can't attack your opponent's creatures, which is something different than what was in Door Masters. So Door Masters, you could attack your opponent's tapped creatures. Um, and I think Digimon has that effect as well, where you can attack your opponent's tapped creatures or your, your opponent. Um, I'm not, not the biggest magic player I don't want to go into the other formats and go too in depth into rules so that's pretty much a very very high level look at how the game operates um, each player starts off with 7 cards you can mulligan but each time you mulligan you do have to put a card 
onto the bottom of your deck. So every time you mulligan, you start off with less and less cards. So although you're getting that opportunity to reshuffle, you're effectively causing yourself a bit of a detriment. Um, so that's really it. I don't think there's anything else I really want to go into because um, I think I get too much into it. I'm not a rules reference guide for these games. Um, so that's it. So we'll go for a quick break. We'll come back. We'll start talking about the bulk of this topic, which of course is Magic Arena and its effects on on the sort of uh, the the genre and on the business model. Um, and then we'll get my uh, my guests on for the show to do their individual interviews. Uh, so we'll be right back. Welcome back. So we'll jump straight into Magic Arena. So I think a digital platform was probably the next step for Magic the Gathering anyway. Um, there had been previous sort of games and apps and things released, uh, such as Magic Online. Um, but I think Arena is essentially more designed to be more uh, up-to-date with recent releases. And I think it's probably intended to give a much more global interaction Um than sort of things like Magic Online and, and the games that they previously released. I, I, I don't think this is a bad thing. I don't want anyone thinking that, you know, I, I'm not really a Magic fan. I, I, I don't really play it. Um, so I don't want people to think, oh, he's just going to dump all over it. I actually think this is a good thing. So if you're playing, this, especially in sort of local areas, if you're playing the same people over and over again, um, the complacency level gets high. Getting to sort of play people from other parts of the country, the world... Seeing what they're playing, seeing how they're they're using the cards that are available can only improve your game. You then go back to play those same people who you've been playing all over and over. They then get a feeling, well, actually, we need to up our game because he's upped his game or she's upped her game. Um, and then they then go and improve. Unfortunately, I have experienced this issue with Yu-Gi-Oh! where I, as I said, we usually play, as, as I've said multiple times, we play more coffee table gaming. We weren't really playing overly serious. Um, but I went away and, and found a deck that I quite liked the look of. And I, I spent the money and I built it. I turned up. I beat. Like, I think we were having like a, a, th- a sort of three-way dance game. And I just trashed them in a few turns. The next next week, Ash comes. He spent some money. He's he's now got a better deck. Andrew's coming to me saying, "Okay, I need to prove this. What do I need to spend to make it better?" And things escalate, <laughs> and so there is that danger. Um, but I think you know, playing other people is not. It's why you play the the trading card game at the end of the day. Um, slightly, you know more outgoing with trading card games than say the living card games or the or the co-op living card games where you can be a little bit more ring fenced and keep yourself away from people which is which is probably why I play them more <laughs> um uh, although you can play the game for free it is a free to play game or or is uh, the colloquial uh, term of a freemium product um because it, it incorporates the uh, the microtransaction model which i think is a, a plague on modern games it absolutely infuriates me um i'm not going to go too much into that i could sit and rant about that forever um, but i will just say that if i buy a game i want to buy the game or if I, I appreciate if it's a free-to-play game, you're going to have to buy it. But when it comes to sort of games that you pay for, and there are still microtransactions, oof, yeah, I don't like it. Um, with digital events, though, uh, Magic Arena has seen a little bit more prominence in terms of, uh, especially sort of the last 12 months. Again, pandemic, lockdown, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
the requirement to I think spend money on it because of that though is more real um, as you'll you'll sort of play here with me and my friend Martin talk about it um, he's mentioned to me in passing that he hasn't really spent any money like he's he's been grinding at it and just doing the free getting the free beers um, mm-hmm. buying the stuff as it becomes available using the sort of the coins you get he's he's sort of hammered away at it that way um, not necessarily everyone's going to have done that I can imagine those top tier players those ones making the big money in the, uh, the pro events I can imagine this they're dropping some some change on this um, but again we'll go into a little bit more about that later um, my understanding of arena was it initially only had modern cards so it would have sort of the latest stuff um, my understanding from what I've read in 2020 they incorporated the historic format so that the the library of, of available cards would be just massively expanded and, and really improved um, it's currently estimated the projections are that by the end of this year 2021 there will be around 11 million people playing arena 11 million can't all be wrong <laughs> <laughs> um, in 2019, Wizards did announce an esports uh, sort of magic entry. Um, there was a, a $10 million prize pool I mentioned earlier. That was actually split between arena and physical events. But in 2020, as I did mention already, the World Championships were held on arena. My first thoughts on the app. So I've got it using my iPad. My iPad is an iPad Mini 4. Just to put it in context, it's not the biggest thing in the world. I really use it for, well, I used to use it <laughs> for, for reading and stuff like that. I do have some games on there. I've got the Pokemon app, um, Star Trek uh, uh, Fleet Commander, um, the Duel Links for Yu-Gi-Oh! The Poke- I did mention the Pokemon app. I've got my Poker app on there and stuff like that, but um, I don't use it. I had an old iPad, um, iPad 2. And I, I use that for a lot of other different things. But this is primarily used for sort of my, my reading and my gaming stuff. Um, I felt that the app was really sluggish. I don't know if that's the age of my tablet or if that's the game itself or if it's my broadband. don't think it's my broadband. It's pretty quick. Um, so I felt it was quite sluggish and slow to load up. I kind of sat staring at this loading screen for what felt like an hour. Um, when I was actually playing the games themselves, sometimes things felt very or feel very slow to process. I'll click on something, and then like ten seconds later, it'll react and it'll bring up a picture of the card, or or it'll uh, notify, or it'll sort of register that I've declared it as a blocker or an attacker or something like that. Um, it feels very cluttered and very. Um, if, yeah, clu- cluttered. Cluttered is definitely the best word. Um, I also found it quite hard to navigate. So there was one point I was trying to find a game with a bot because again, I'm not I'm not big. Not I, I don't really want to play this game against people until I really know what I'm doing, and I don't really know what I'm doing at this stage in terms of. The, a the app and building my own decks I've only ever used pre-built decks theme decks starter decks 
other people's decks, freebie decks given out by store owners. I've never used anything that I've built myself, so until I sort of feel like I'm in a position where I can do that, which may never be the case, I've been playing Poke the Pokemon app for some time now and I'm still not there. Um, but, you know, I went to play against the bot, just thought, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll jump back into the color challenges because I, I thought they were pretty cool. It took me ages to find them. And it kept trying to put me onto like events with people. And I was just like, no, 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 go away, goodbye. And it and it felt very difficult to just try and get that, that game against a bot or, or go back into the color challenges. And um, I have heard from a couple of different people and, and read a couple of reviews online as well saying that the algorithm for drawing cards is pretty unreliable. Um, and sometimes you can end up with, with some, with, with like, the same cards in your hand, like all four of your cards in, in starting hand. Although this is possible in the live game, it, really unlikely. So I, I think that is quite concerning. Um, but I mean, Arena is a... I, I, I've got to admit, it's a great format. You've got the... You can't play some of the... I don't think you can play Commander format on there. You can only play sort of your normal box standard Magic the Gathering. But really, that's all you really need, don't you? You don't need the other formats. I do feel the platform is a great idea. I feel the platform is, is looks in terms of how it appears. It looks really nice. The um, the, the visualizations, the, the the images used are really good. I just think it's a bit cluttered, and it could be refined a little bit more in terms of how it looks um, using the space that it has available. Maybe if I had a bigger iPad screen. I don't know. Could be my fault. <laughs> um, so that's really it in terms of uh, sort of. We went through a lot of it in the history section, so there wasn't really much else to discuss, just kind of first thoughts. Um, what we'll do now, we'll go for another quick musical interlude. When we come back, I'll have Jim with me. We will go through sort of my... I have nine questions in my list of things to ask. Things may change as we go through. Need to, you know, if if questions are answered in other questions, I can rejig, but we'll you know we'll go through it. Um, so we'll go for a break. We'll come right back. I'll have Jim with me, and we'll uh, we'll keep going. Okay, we have got our first of three um, contributors to this episode. Um, my good friend Jim will be joining me for this part. Where we're going to talk about um, Magic: The Gathering in physical and uh, the arena format. And um, Jim, how you doing, mate? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you back. Obviously, something a bit different than wrestling as well, which is quite nice. <laughs> yeah, so we've done wrestling. We've done a bit about the Raw Deal card game, and we're back to do card games again. I suppose though, if even with Raw Deal, we're still on. We're still on wrestling. <laughs> True, that was the, the the convergence of our interests. Yeah, we sort of spun out from that. <laughs> yeah essentially um cool so um we're, we're going to talk a little bit about magic the gathering as i i know we've probably had this conversation before but I'll, I'll just reiterate it i'm not a magic guy in fact i've been not necessarily as as verbally against it as i know some people in our uh, circle have been um but i have been a very big sort of proponent of yeah i'm just not really interested um You've picked it up. So how how long now and have you been sort of uh, had it? In, I know you've said arena and a little bit of physical uh, content. How long have you uh, been doing that? So I started playing arena after 
lockdown came in the UK, so about April 2020, April May time, with the Ikoria set. Okay, okay. Do you, you think you, you did say you've got some physical stuff? Do you do you have the physical cards, or is it just arena you're on? Um, so for modern stuff, it's arena, but I originally had some of the very well, not very early, but sort of late nineties starter sets. Um, yeah, because that's what I ended up with. Because I remember when we were at uh, Crew Market, uh, Chris Alcock tried to get me into it when when they started trying to sell magic, and he gave me this proper old black starter deck, and I, I oh yeah never really been the thing so but anyway um i digress um how do you feel about the accessibility of it though so discovering so getting what how did you discover arena and did you feel it was easy to get into so i knew arena because i follow a variety group uh called loading ready run and they do a lot of magic content along with their other streams so i've seen them play a little bit on there um and then i just have to something to do while while we're in lockdown and yeah. also at the same time the new set Icoria had the double version of cards, the Godzilla cards. Yes. And that was sort of my main into the game was like, oh I want to play with these Godzilla cards. Yeah. Yeah, I to be honest, that was actually how where I remember seeing that introduced me like, oh Godzilla's gonna be in this pack and there was a little part of me in my brain going do I want to buy all the Godzilla cards just for a folder? But some of them were really expensive, so I shied away from it. Yeah, so much the same here. Here, I never actually got any of the physical cards. Partly because at the time, no shops were open to buy them from. It's yeah. the sort of thing, I'd, rather than boost a dive, I'd rather wait and just buy the singles off. But yeah. I wasn't so interested as to just go on an online shop and buy them. It would have been if I was in in a local game shop and they had a folder of stuff. Oh, look, there's one of the cards. The really cool artwork. And again, just something, something to have as a cool memento. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know what you mean there. I think I I know that Atme Games in, in Landudno has like a singles folder. I'm not going to lie. When we are able to get back there and, and grab hold of that folder, I am going to be rooting through to see if I can find those Godzilla cards. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah. If um, if I can get my trip to Japan, I might be looking at some of the card shops because there are magic magic still popular in Japan. And okay. um there was I think there's an exclusive version of one of the cards that was only released in Japanese. Um oh. Mothra's Egg. Uh so I'll be I might uh, have a hunt around for that if I can find it if I'm in Akahabara or any of those sort of areas of um oh. Tokyo. Japanese exclusive. Ah, oh, no. See, <laughs> I'm not going to go into the the problems I have with like exclusive cards like that. But I'm, that's for that's for a whole other show. That is. That's probably just an hour yeah. ranting. Um. Okay. Cool. So quickly back to sort of arena. Do you how how did you feel it was to get on board with in terms of accessibility and ease of use? Um. Did you think it was it was easy to sort of getting pick up and, and play? If that makes sense. How, what what format did you also play it on? So I'm play, playing on PC. Um, they hadn't quite the Android and iOS apps that had come out this year, I think, 2021. Yes. So yes. I was playing playing it on desktop. Um, it took a while to catch up on on the rule, but not so much the rules, but the individual effects. Just have to 
20 years, all these different versions of cards have come out since I last played Magic. So it yeah. took a little while to do that. But with a bit of research, you're sort of MTG, you're Googling MTG Arena decks because you can import decks off websites and spend, mm. um, spend not money as such, but um, there are wild cards that you can spend to, to unlock specific cards you need for a deck. So get a few of those sort of cheap, you can find cheap deck lists, um, import those, and then sort of get, that got me rolling, so I could then build up a bit of momentum, and um, build then up into being able to afford more expe- more expensive cards, the, the rares and the mythics, and I had a fun little Ikoria uh, blue-green mutate deck, and I continued that on into the next set as well. Okay, cool. Um, in terms of sort of the digital play, then do you? So we'll go into sort of the the, the meat of what I'm looking to talk about. Yeah. So the do you think that the digital version of Magic, like in Arena, because I know there's been digital versions before with like Magic Gathering Online and stuff like that. Yeah. But do you feel that Arena, with how much it's being pushed, is going to pull people away from the actual physical, actual paper? game itself or do you think it may even be the opposite way where actually the digital version will probably have people going looking for the actual physical game instead i I think it's more more the latter um it's still a wait and see at the moment because not everywhere has opened up to start doing physical tournaments and friday nights and pre-releases it's like i'd I'd like to go and do a pre-release draft but it's just not a thing that's back in reality at the moment yeah yeah i know what you mean because i've I've looked at um i know we mentioned just before starting this recording uh, flesh and blood i'm I'm quite liking the idea of doing um sealed events for that because you don't need to have the pre-constructed element which when i think you're new into a game you don't necessarily know so it's quite easy to sit with if you've only got 30 cards or whatever it is you've got to build with you can build with them if you if you if you uh, turn up with a pre-constructed deck and you don't know how what you're doing you can bloom in trance don't you um yeah, but yeah I, would... so I, I think well i think there will be some momentum when watsy and car shops start doing uh in-person events again but it's just a case of wait and see but i've enjoyed what i played of arena although i have fallen off the last few sets um a lot of my interest now is rather than investing time in arena and doing the daily grind and things like that i'm content to just watch streams of it my mate Stu, he always jokes about uh, remember to log in and get your daily your daily bonuses, like all these sort of free to play games. Yeah, uh, always get that free daily bonus. Make sure you log in and get it. Um, yeah, so maybe the daily grind. Um, have you had any issues with Arena? So, like anything that's made you go, oh, any anything sort of negative you you sort of had while while going through it? Other than the the general. Sometimes it can be a bit tedious to do those to do those daily uh, to do those daily because it's not just a case of login; it's a case of you have to win, or there are certain goals it asks you to do. So, play so many spells of a certain color, um, things like that. 
So yeah, po- that can be tedious if you don't have the right deck built. Yeah, the po- the Pokemon app has something similar. I've had the same daily challenge for about three months now because I just don't do it. Um, yeah, it the, the, <laughs> the arena is quite nice. That if you don't have a, if you don't have a way or you don't feel you can achieve a certain goal each day, you can just replace one. Oh, okay, that's all right. That's, that's all right. I've not really, I'm not going to lie, I've not really gone into the, um, the daily grind sort of thing. I've kind of just been doing the, the colour challenges. So I've just mm-hmm. been sort of tickling away at it because I have no idea what I'm doing when I'm playing it. <laughs> I, um, I, I thought the introduction was fairly fairly easy to get by. It took a couple of rounds for a couple of tries on a few of the matches, but I didn't think it was um, out. It was um, asking a lot of people, but I, like I say, I've I've known how to play Magic, uh, the basics for a long time. Mm. So it was just them building on top of it with what the newer effects were. Yeah, things like planeswalkers and commanders and stuff like that, and all these random things they seem to have thrown in to expand on the game. Yeah, so it was like sagas and things like that. Is yeah, there was different things like that, but I, I thought it was okay. But like again. If you haven't had quite the experience I've had where playing the starter sets a few times and just keeping up with sort of what's going on in the background just as a casual interest in card games over yeah. the years, I suppose it is a bit more difficult to jump into. Because it is. It, while they don't have the same power creep as some like Yu-Gi-Oh! because they rotate stuff out, um, it, it is a lot of new mechanics and it's sort of what happened with draw deal by the end yeah yeah okay you mentioned something you did just mention there it jumps in surprisingly to the next uh, question so (laughs) you can get um we we discussed this a little bit before starting recording so obviously in 2018 wizards announced that they were going to start selling a lot of stuff directly through amazon so they're going to set up their own store inside amazon to sell direct rather than through your i guess your friendly local gaming store um the do you think because obviously that's been going i mean that was announced in 2018 and it's really sort of coming to force more recently do you think in the long term that's going to hurt that because you mentioned there about being able to get to a place and actually buy content do you think that's going to hurt that 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 sales method do you think it's going to hurt that long term to be honest, before you mentioned that they were doing it, I didn't know about it. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I, I hadn't even been aware, but I've not really gone to look for any physical product because my yeah. interest came after uh, there hasn't been the opportunity to buy any physical product except yeah. for the one thing I have bought was a box of the Jumpstart set. So that was right. sort of in the period where... No one could get it. Amazon, any local game shops, any hobby shops, um, any online websites, because it was that late summer period where everything was difficult to find printing of. Mm. Okay. So the the development on that question then. So with players being able to get it directly. Obviously, we're saying there about do you think it's going to hurt the local game scene? But what do you think about like a Friday night magic scene? So, not necessarily sales from stores, but the actual 
going into a store, yeah. especially with the getting it direct from, from Amazon. So you don't need to go into a shop. So you don't need to make that journey anyway. But also now there's that push towards arena, that push towards digital environment. Do you think that long term it, it, it's going to move more digital or do you think they're going to they're going to sort of curve it and try and get people back into stores? So I certainly don't think the the Amazon sales will affect things. People will still go to shops to do pre-release events, to get singles, things like that. Yeah. As to whether Arena being more popular now and then using that more for their Grand Prix tournaments in the future is a possibility. Mm. Maybe. But then Wizards of Coast have been pushing more of the commander format mm. which is a format that doesn't exist on digital yet okay and how doesn't it no commander because it the it was a fan-made format that what that wizard of the coast have sort of brought in-house it's um it hasn't appeared on digital because the, the basic premise is there isn't about there may be i think there may be a ban list but there isn't it isn't restricted to sets if you've got a card, you can put it in your commander deck, basically. Okay. I think there is a ban list. I was actually... Yeah, I think there's a ban list, but it's not like yeah. standard or modern where it rotates certain sets out. Yeah. Uh, so with that being the premise of every card is available, it, it's not a format that exists. And that is becoming one of the premier formats of Magic now. Yeah. So... So I think while that is still popular, that'll still bring people into shops and to enter tournaments and just to get together and do kitchen top magic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll jump into the last question. So I'll have to rejig this a little yeah. bit because obviously <laughs> you've mentioned there about um, not really getting much in terms of physical games. Do you think that you will make an active attempt to go and play the game physically or do you think you will stick to like you mentioned sort of seeing the streams playing on arena or do you think you're when everything's finally sort of okay everyone can go to shop now don't worry about it everything's fine do you think you'll go actually i'm gonna i'm gonna make the effort and i'm gonna have a drive over so if it was a if it was a perfect world and i could make my own work rotor i would say <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I work in hospitality, which requires a lot of weekends from me. Yeah. So I think simply just because of that, it's, it's I won't be playing um, tournaments as much. I might, if a set really interests me, I might try and find uh, a pre-release event and take that weekend off. But okay. in terms of physical cards, and like I say, I bought the the Jumpstart set, which is in itself a set a contained set. And then you, and it's a very casual, casual format where you grab two packs, bung them together. So if I ever get to see you, I'll bring those down. We can, we can have a go at that. And because um, it's more casual, like the smash up game. Okay. Throw stuff together and have a bit of a laugh with it. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you. What I've actually done is I've, because when I was looking into this, this whole episode, I um, went through the Amazon store just to have a look at what, like, if there was sort of any differences in prices and stuff like that, um, if it was cheaper going through them. 
that it was going to like say Magic Madhouse or Zatu Games or something like that. Um, and Amazon was selling a two-player starter set for the game and arena so there's two mm-hmm. 60 card decks like a full play guide and also a voucher code to unlock the two decks on arena it's like a fiver so i bought it <laughs> why not i've got um a load of stuff for the transformers card game that oh, gosh, is really cheap um because i think because it was dying off so i've got those to open. i've got a booster box still to open it's got booster box. Oh wow! I've actually got. I've still got all my stuff. I don't know if Rob Rob bought heavily into it, so I'm not sure if yeah. he's kept his stuff. But he's. Uh, I know he's. He bought. He went deep into uh, Transformers the card game. It was so. I don't mean to sound horrible. There was something slightly hilarious when it announced that it was uh, being cancelled, and I was just like, "Oh, thank thank God I didn't pull the trigger on that and go go heavy into it. I only bought the the Stuntercons." and a couple of cards to go with them and that was it <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got some stuff more just as a laugh to you again to maybe draft or something if i ever get to see you guys again yeah, yeah. well they sound like you're not gonna see us again <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 we'll see we'll see each other again it's it's less covid now and it's more again working in hospitality and trying to get time to see you guys yeah that's it um well, that's pretty much it in terms of the questions I had. Thank you um, so much for coming on. I said it wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be too long. Um, I do appreciate it. Uh, we will get together and we will do. Uh, I know we're on, we've, we're penciling in a couple of uh, recordings, so uh, we'll get them down as well while we're at it. Fantastic. Well, it was nice to chat with you. I look yeah. forward to hearing what the others have to say. Yeah. Man. Right. Thanks so much for your time, Jim. You take care. Same to you, boss. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, so this is interview uh, two for this episode. Fingers crossed of three. Um, I have my good friend Martin who will be jumping on just in a second. Um, so for anyone who has listened to previously, uh, myself and Martin spent a good 20 minutes ranting about Mark Henry's Salmon Blazer. Uh, Martin, how are you getting on, dude? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having us back. Um, hopefully this one doesn't go as long as the last one. Uh, I, I... <laughs> I've been pre-warned not to ramble because we want to keep this interview tight and not have it just go on till the end of time. <laughs> yes. So we'll, we'll jump straight in. Um, so how long have you been playing Magic for, do you think? So I've been playing Magic on and off, really. Uh, I started playing back in 2012, which is about nine years ago now. Um yeah. And I got into it when back when we were playing Raw Deal. Well, it was during the resurgence of Raw Deal and Stoke. Um, one of my friends, Steve, was like, oh, hey, uh, you like card games. Why don't you try Magic? And I spent about 40 quid on all the comments from the newest set, built a few decks, played with some mates in Congress in my hometown. It didn't really take. Um, so I just left them as just like bits of cardboard under my bed. Okay. And then back in... Moving forward to 2018, uh, I was big into the Pokemon trading card game, just qualified for their world championships and broke my leg. (laughs) So I couldn't fly out to that, which was uh, heartbreaking to say the least. And I was in Northwich and not able to like get to Stoke or any of the old stomping grounds I was going to to play. Um, 
And one, I've told one of my friends, so there's a format called Commander where you play as a legendary character. You have that as like the head honcho of your deck. Okay. Um, I can go into that later on anyway. It's not really important to the story. But I said, I'll try Commander and Magic again if they ever print a legendary bear. Just <laughs> thinking it's never going to happen. They're never going to print a bear as a character. And then in, I believe it was the 2019 core set, they printed a bear. They printed a legendary bear called Gorkor. Um, <laughs> and my mate just sent me a picture of it being like, it's time. And I was like, I guess it's time. Like, <laughs> I've, got, I've got to stick to this. Like, there's a legendary creature bear now. So I just built a bear tribal deck and like, as a joke, thinking, I'll never play this. But because I've got a broken leg, the only place I can get to is the local game store in Norwich, Goblin Gaming. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll go and I've got this bear deck. Like I've spent about eighty quid on it because yeah, you want to make it good. Like if it's going to be the only joke deck you play, you want to at least get a few wins. So I went there and played some commander games of it and found myself really enjoying Magic. And okay. so from there, I was like, oh, maybe I'll give the standard format a try and built like this weird five pound mono black discard aggro deck. Um, and now we're here having played since then wow. sort of coming through it almost feels like i've come through the route that wizards of the coast want you to do where you start a commander you build a bit of a janky standard deck you spend more time playing standard then after about a year or two you start getting bored of standard and being like nah, let's play some of these older formats and now i've got like three legacy decks which is their oldest format that encompasses everything between from 1994 onwards yeah because um yeah, I know it's that because it's almost similar to, well, I guess they, Magic probably came up with it, but Versus System had Golden Age, Silver Age, and Modern Age. Yeah. Where Modern Age was like your last four sets, Silver was like your last eight, and then Golden Age was everything. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, obviously, the primary focus of this episode really was talking about sort of arena. So, yeah. when was, when, because obviously, if you, you jump back in 2018, when did you first know, oh, arena? When When did that sort of pop up for you? So I remember watching the adverts for that during the Ixalan, uh, the Rivals of Ixalan Pro Tour. They were starting to advertise it and do the big push for it. But I didn't get into the open beta that they did. I waited for it to be properly released. But I've been basically playing Arena since day one. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How, did you did you feel it was easy to access then? Did you yeah. when you sort of picked it up, did you think actually you know what this is super easy? Did you play any of the other um online? Um, not games? at not at the time. So when Arena came out, Arena was the only one I played. I'd heard about um MTGO, which is much as the government online, or Modo as some people call it. Um <laughs> I'd heard about about it, but because um, MTGO uses an actual it's got its own currency system so okay. you, can, you can cash out on it as well because um, cards hold their own value on that I didn't want to spend money on both physical and digital cards so I sort of gave that one a miss um, but I played a lot of Arena I still, well, not this current season but I do play a lot of Arena Okay Um what, 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 get my words out in a minute. <laughs> what format did you play that on? What I mean by that is because I understand that PC, the, the 
the the mobile version's only sort of really been released this year. Yeah. We, I'm going to say you started off on PC. Do you play the mobile version or is no. it? No, no, I don't no. play the mobile version at all. Because the mobile version only has the best of one format on it. So, and I, I, I can't stand the best of one at all. I think it's, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's too based, like, it's too die rolly. So, you sort of, if you're going first in magic, it's a big deal. Um, because you get hit, you land drops first. You get Because there's no sort of, you get an attack phase turn one. So, if your creature's got haste, you're getting, you're getting to get in there. It gives aggro decks too much of, a, of an advantage going okay. first. And that's normally balanced by the fact that you have sideboard cards and you'll get a chance to go first if you lose game one. In best of one, there's none of that. It's yeah, just yeah. a, here you go. And so it's more aggro-focused, which is fine. Like I understand why they've done that for the client because they want like pe- people playing it like Hearthstone. Hearthstone's best of one. Games, games, games. But Hearthstone was designed with best of one in mind, whereas Magic was designed with best of three in mind in their Magic rules. And they've sort of a bit ham-fistedly tried to make this best of one quicker format. Uh, Which I see why you need it, because playing best of three games constantly over and over on Arena gets a bit, oh, here we go, and click play on the next (laughs) one. Whereas best of one with aggro cards might just like get you through the door quicker. Yeah, I know we were talking just before uh, starting recording, and obviously just briefly chatting about Flesh and Blood. Flesh mm. and Blood is a, a best of one um, format. They yeah. do say you can do best of three, but the games are designed to be the right length. Yeah. So they want it like one game of the classic constructed should take around fifty minutes. Yeah. So they say that. Imagine that in a best of three, you'd be there for freaking ever, wouldn't you? But um, it's fine if it's inbaked into the game where. Like, the reason it's best of three in Magic is because they say a best of three game will take you about an hour. Yeah. So if you're, if you're trying to cut that time by a third to get more people, like, through the door, it's not going to feel the same. You're going to feel a bit robbed of the experience in some games. And in other games, it's you're not. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting, actually. Because yeah. I've, I've got the app, the app on my tablet. And that's how I, I obviously for doing my research for this episode that I downloaded it, the app, and I, I haven't really got like a gaming PC or anything like that. I've got my laptop, yeah. my mum's, but um, the things that old now, it, it barely <laughs> runs Spotify. Oh. Um, so, so getting on a PC was not not an option for me. So I, I've, I've got it on the old uh, tablet. Um, we'll actually skip a couple of questions and we'll come back. Have you noticed anything on Arena that you makes you go, God, this is frustrating? or like any form of quirks or anything particular, because a couple of people I have spoken to have mentioned they've noticed almost glitches that have never seemed to have been addressed. Have you found anything where you've gone, ah, oh, it's this thing again? Uh, the auto-tapper. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that land-tapping machine will always tap the exact land that you need it to not tap. Oh, um, oh it's... <sighs> The amount of times that I've like, and it's my own fault because you can turn it off, but I'm lazy. Um, And because you're on a clock, you're like, you don't have time to physically go and tap all the lands that you need. Mm. Um, Or you don't have the time to tap all the lands that you need to then play the cards. And there's a lot of like movement and clicks. There's There's just a lot of shortcuts. I don't find it too frustrating because I haven't played Magic for so long. It's 
the concept of getting that game into a physical a, a digital domain in the first place is like a technical marvel to me like between all the phases all the different interactions the fact that it doesn't just die on its ass every hour <laughs> is like a marvel to me so i give it I give it a lot of breathing room and credit where it probably doesn't deserve it from people coming from other games. Mm-hmm. Um, but that auto tapper just. <laughs> it's a nightmares about it. Um, other than that, no. Like, there's a few little things like they don't have a tournament mode. If a game, if you get like kicked out of a game, it just renders it a draw and you play a different one again which is a little bit annoying uh there's no spectate mode it, there's a little bit there's there's little things that are more tournament play and tournament rewatching focused that they haven't implemented but at the same time we've been in a pandemic yeah. where people haven't been able to work on it people working from home so i sort of get it why they haven't but at the same time We've also been in a pandemic when the only way you can play tournaments is on arena. So maybe they should have been working more on getting this. It sort of works both ways. Like you might not have the manpower in an office to sit around and talk about, right, what do we need to do? We need to do this tournament play stuff. But at the same time, it's like the only way we can have these massive tournaments now is online. Maybe we should make it an easy experience for people to cover it. So yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah, I'd say. that's interesting because the things you said there are not things I've heard before. So mm. that that's quite interesting. Um, I'll jump back now to I, these questions. I think I've put them in the wrong order. Um, do you feel like so? Which one do you feel is more sort of thing? Do you think the arena is going to pull people from the physical game? Do you think that the physical game is going to attract people because of arena, or do you think it's kind of a fifty-fifty mix where actually it'll just both will help each other. Um, with Arena's current system for how you buy stuff on there, uh, no one from physical is moving full digital. Every, everyone I know that plays physical at a fairly like c- consistent level looks at Arena and sees it as way too expensive with no cash out opportunity. So it's what like is referred to as dead money. Yeah. Because if you ever stop playing Arena... If you spent any money into it, it's just there. At least with the other Magic Online, um, the client looks like horrible and dirty, but it gets the job done. And any cards that you own on there at the end of the day, even if it's only for a fourth of what they're really worth, you can still get some money out of it. Like there is an online market where you can buy and sell your cards and stuff like that. Um, so most people, I've noticed a big trend of like, because my brother's fallen into this as well, where people will see an advert for Magic Arena, they'll try it, and then that's like gate one. They'll either really like playing Magic and they'll start to get hooked on it on there, or they'll just fall off and then they'll be like, nah, it's not for me, it's too complicated, or it's not, games take too long, or it's not flashy enough, which I find really weird because Arena's one of the nicer looking of the online card games but that's one that I heard it's not like apparently the angle of the way the board looks is a bit off-putting to some people they kind of like it to be really top-down and because it's sort of like set at an angle yeah 
Pokemon's the same on there. Yeah, right? Pokemon set at this weird angle as well, but I sort mm. of understand it more Pokemon because they don't have the graphics of things coming out of the cards, whereas Arena does, which is why they've got it. So it's uh, it, it, anyway, that is a massive tangent. But a lot of people that I know get Arena, play Arena quite a bit, and then make a deck on Arena that they really like and go, you know what, I'm going to buy this in paper and then try it out at a store that's near me. Obviously, it hasn't happened as much in the past two years because, yeah, you know, pandemic and things. But when I was going to like the larger Grand Prix events, there was a lot of people in the side events who were like, oh, I've like, oh, sorry, I missed this trigger or I missed this interaction because normally Arena does it for me or normally Arena reminds me. And they've been playing Arena for a year, but this was like, I was in the area. There was this, I noticed it was big, this big tournament because Arena told me about it. So, I bought my deck in paper and I thought I'd come along and it's like there's nearly a thousand people now in this convention hall and I guarantee about 350 of them have only played online and this is their first experience and it's pretty cool like yeah I agree there yeah they they they, I don't know if I mentioned I know I mentioned it with Jim um they were estimating that around 11 million people could be playing arena by the end of this year 2021 yeah yeah yeah. surprising is just staggering. Like, yeah. I, you know, going off on a little bit of a tangent, back in the day when we were at Crew Market Stall, I think that we all had this very anti-magic sentiment where it was like, oh, I'm not playing that rubbish. And and despite the fact none of us ever had ever actually played it, um, other than maybe Chris Alcock, who'd, who'd had a few games. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not playing that, that rubbish. And now to hear that, 11 million people globally uh, have got this app and that's not included you know that's a broad figure um but yeah like how many of them have, have, are only online players and, and don't play the the physical variant or like you said have gone oh actually i'm, I'm gonna buy buy this deck and i'm gonna play yeah. it I, I i don't know if i mentioned i know before we before we started i know <laughs> i threw this at jim um actually you know what I'll bring that up in a later question because <laughs> actually it's, it's, it's something on the back of a question I've got for you. Um, right. So we'll move into the next question. Magic have one of the big topics of this episode is magic are now selling directly. So wizards, Hasbro, whatever you want to call them, they are selling directly through their own Amazon store mm-hmm. selling magic. Do you think that will hurt the physical game in terms of stores? Because a lot of stores are like I, my my goal is to open up my own game store. I had a business plan drafted. Mm. I'd got investors uh, lined up, and then everything kicked off. And unfortunately, it all went to the the wayside. Yeah. But I knew, like we all had, we had this conversation, and we knew we had to get magic. So, like, well, what? Magic is is for many game stores their their bread and butter. It's what keeps them open, and then they are they then can use the profits from that to to push other things they maybe want. So, like I said, I'm I'm a big um, uh, Arkham Horror. I love Marvel Champions, sort of the cooperative games. Yeah, they're, yeah. My, they're my bread and butter in terms of what I play. Um, but do you think Magic now saying, well, actually, you know what, buy it from us direct? Do you think that will hurt that that store base, that that concrete ground level base? Do you do you think that will affect that in any way? I mean, having not 
So I've worked at game stores before, but I've never actually like been dealing with the actual workings. I mainly sort of worked on the advertisement more than the actual stock ordering and ground level stuff. I mean, on paper, it has to hurt it, right? Like if, if a supplier starts selling direct rather than allowing um, third parties to get involved, then nine times out of 10, that's going to affect the store. The, the thing that I think makes me think that it won't hurt it is because Wizards selling through Amazon. Most people I know won't go to Amazon to buy Magic Cards because it's expensive. So unless Wizards start properly undercutting game stores, which always have like deals on or is just generally like the base price, it's the same way that like Waterstones sell Magic and in America, the bigger places like Target sell Magic and play, people don't go to there because it's never... It's never the best deal, and there's also the old saying of "come for the magic, stay for the gathering." Like you're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna play your games at like you're not gonna play your games at these stores. The majority of people that I know that buy magic cards, it's an impulse purchase while they're at a store playing the game. Like that's how I've always bought mine. It's like I've gone to the local game store to to play a couple of games of whatever format I want. And while now I've been like, eh, you know what, like, I'll buy a booster pack and support, like, the shop that I'm in because they're not charging entry. And yeah. that for me, for my play group that I'm in, that's a lot of how that sort of product is bought because they're not selling singles. They're still only buying, selling the um, actual, like, booster packs and the collector's edition boxes and stuff like that. So it's not actually as bad. If they started ever just selling singles, then I'd be a bit more, oh, Jesus, what are they doing here? Because the closest they come is, have you heard about the secret layers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the closest they come to selling singles, but they are so ludicrously overpriced. Yeah, that, but that's my uh, People still buy them. People like, still buy them because people like shiny bits of cardboard. Like, I've, oh, even, yeah. I've even bought, I, I'm firmly against them. And even I bought the Walking Dead one because it was like I saw it as an investment. Me and my friend Truman were like, "It's sixty dollars now," and it, this like if it they're never reprinting this again. Like it's literally we have this week period to buy it, and then that's it. So all it takes is holding on to this for five years, and it could be easily worth triple. Or like, yeah, yeah. and all it has to do is sit in a box on my shelf. Should we just get one? It's thirty quid. We won't know about this thirty quid in six months' time. True. <laughs> and and at worst, if it doesn't go in value, we've got cool cards. Like there was no downside to it. So with that one, I sort of see. But when they print the ones and the charity ones, they do like they did a Magic is Black one where they got five cards, changed the art by um, famous black artists and famous black, famous black characters, and they donated a lot of the money from it to um, helping black communities and charities and stuff like that. I can't actually remember what black charity they donated to, but I believe it was something to do with um, helping girls with computer in. Uh, that could be wrong, but cool. it like it was very sort of... And they did like an international women's one as well. And these ones are all really good, but then they're just doing ones that are like, here's, here's your favourite lands, but we're not going to do them in one big box. We're going to do them spread over three boxes or something like that. And each one is forty dollars, and you're like, oh, "Come on, it's just <laughs> you got to get them, haven't you?" Yeah, yeah. 
one of the things I was saying about like Amazon and getting back to what I was going to sort of say a bit uh, a bit ago was um, I noted when I was in a store that they got I was just looking at um, theme decks yeah there was a a core 2021 set and it was um, a black character Liliana Liliana Liliana, yeah yeah and they wanted like 21 pound for the starter box for that core deck and I was just like, for a for a starter set, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I was yeah, but I was looking on the Amazon store and they got it on there for nine ninety nine free delivery. <laughs> and I was just like, so I, I understand what you're saying. Like, um, you get to the store and you'll get the bargain. That's not Amazon a bit. Yeah, it's in RRP, <laughs> which sometimes yeah. can actually give you a benefit. <laughs> but that's I actually um, picked up an arena. An Amazon exclusive arena starter set for five pound ninety nine, mm. which came with two one black one green starter decks in in speech marks, and and a code to put them both onto arena, and like a, a rule book and two exclusive Amazon foil cards, and me being who I am, just just bought it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See st- um, stuff like that. I don't mind them selling on Amazon because that's. That's got an intent. Like those decks are never going to be tor- tournament worthy. Like they are, they're, but they're they're fit for purpose of like the fact that they give you the code so that you can play on arena. They're uh, they're a five pound advertisement. That's literally yeah. like, uh it's it's kind of like they're the equivalent of you know when you used to buy a, a like a burner style mobile phone and you yeah. pay a tenner for the phone and they give you ten pound credit already on the phone. So you're like, cool, phone's free. That's yeah. literally what you d- they're doing. They're like selling you Arena for a fiver, and you're like, "Oh, right, I've bought this deck so I can play it in paper if I like it." But predominantly, that is a here's a five pound Arena code to get your account started, and like you just get burner cards after it. That if you ever got anywhere close to being like into Magic, you would be like, "These aren't gonna see." It. Oh, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen the Amazon Arena foils, but they, they've never come up because it if either of those two cards had gotten anywhere near decent, I guarantee you that set would not still be a fiver. <laughs> exactly, yeah, to say, yeah. People been, would have uh, bought that product, absolutely. broke it apart, and resold it for singles. Yeah, that's it. Um, so uh, we'll move quickly on. Uh, next question: um, Do you think that the Friday Night Magic scene will take a hit with Arena being? More advertised, more funded, being used for big tournaments, being used as a, uh, especially with the pandemic, um, being used as the forefront for magic events. Do you think that the, when the Friday night magics, I know obviously we're only just starting to come out of the, the lockdowns and restrictions now, but do you think those Friday night magic events will take a hit because of Arena? No, I think they'll get bigger. Really? Like, from in my experience, people start playing Arena, play it for a couple months and be like, ah, this Magic Lock's fun, but... Because if you go down the pipeline, people like... So they start playing Arena, they play loads of Magic, they're enjoying it. So they're re- if they're enjoying it so much, they'll start looking at Magic on, like, their YouTube channel and stuff like that. And their YouTube channel has full coverage of all, like, their old GPs and everything like that. So you start watching all the events... And then you start seeing people playing a paper and being like, oh, you know what? I enjoy magic. I feel like I'm getting okay at it. I'll go and play in paper. And that's like the natural progression. Arena still has this 
ceiling on it where you can only get so good. Like, it's a bit different now because everything is played online, but that's not the way it's going to be. The, the intent is to come back with the SCG online tours, uh, the, the pro tours. Like, paper's going to be their focus going forward again. Yeah. It's just a case of... Because one of the big announcements they did during um, their, one of the list of the one the last few sets, the Modern Horizons 2 set, is the announcement of like in-store support coming back. And they've even started doing like exclusive promos if you spend $50 or more in-store. Cool. And it's like one of the good lands in standard printed in its like the old frame from the 90s. So they are still like promoting in-store purchases, promoting in-store play. There's a whole like wizard system about logging events, the whole pre-release events that they still haven't done pre-releases on Arena. You can only do them in stores, which is like Arena gets the cards quote-unquote first by putting on them digitally and you can do online sealed and online draft. But an actual pre-release event where you get like a proper promo and you get a dice and you get six packs and you jam more together and make a deck and play against people there. It's still primarily done in store. Yeah. So I think Arena bleeds into like getting people to play in paper more so than people playing paper and go, ah, I'd rather just play online. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Okay, so last question. Probably we've probably already answered this actually, but I'll ask the I'll ask it anyway just for, for the sakes of doing it. Do you prefer the physical game or arena? Physical, easy. I just, I'm a weirdo who likes holding dice and shuffling cards. Like, to be honest, I don't care what the game is. Just hand me a deck of cards to shuffle and I'll sit there and be happy. Yeah, Um, Like, one of the few lads' holidays I've been on has been because of card games. Um, When I went to France, that was to play Pokemon, but I went to France on my birthday to go to DreamHack to play in a Pokemon tournament to qualify for Worlds. Nice. Um, I've always been all for card games, but like the reason I've got some of the closest friends I've got now is from a trip to London we did, where six of us stayed in an Airbnb and watched far too much Alan Partridge and drank gin and then tried to go and play in the event the next day. Uh, I don't care. I won, I won 250 quid that weekend, but like... I was a mess and it was an absolutely glorious weekend of just like you'd wake up at nine, one lad would be like two of the lads would be cooking breakfast, you'd be helping tidy the living room and you'd be talking about magic over breakfast and then you'd walk to the convention hall and you'd play in the day's event and then after that was done you'd go and do a chaos draft which is just an incredible format where you just take boosters from different parts of time and do a draft and then you'd go home and you'd play You'd go back to like the house and you'd play like loads of different formats and you'd test them the next day. And it was literally like two and a half days of card games, drinking, takeaways, and banter. And I I wasn't that into magic at this point. Like I was just on the cusp of like I'd got a couple of decks and was taking it semi seriously, but I just wanted to go away with some lads that were really nice. And like I had one of those weekend experiences where like, yeah, I'm never gonna stop doing this now. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like this weekend has been so good, I want to do this every weekend, which is not possible, but that's the exact feeling you want from a card game. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. 
back in the day with Raw Deal was a similar thing. Yeah, stuff like that. When we used to like travel for Raw Deal and stay in hotel rooms and stuff, I got I very much got a big vibe of that again, and I haven't had that from any card game that I've tried yeah. for a long time. Uh, cool. All right. Well, that, that's actually it in terms of the questions. Um, we'll finish up there. Um, that was a nice note to end it on then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had one incredible weekend. It's not suspecting this to be a little doom and gloom when you were telling me to talk about Arena, but... <laughs> no, no, no. Hopefully ended. Also, came in under 40 minutes, so uh, my prediction was lost. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 30, 30 minutes, we're all right. So I say, me and Jim did 19 and a half, so, yeah, we'll see what, what happens with the next one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, well, thank you so much for joining me, Martin. Is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Um... Follow me on Twitter. I'm King Smudge. Uh, I post random memes about magic and terrible takes when I'm half intoxicated. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really doing much else to be honest. I'm just building terrible pauper decks and uh, talking nonsense on Twitter. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Keep on the rants about Mark Henry's uh, salmon blazer. Walked past the charity shop the other day and Rachel was like, who do you think could pull off a pink suit? I was like, you don't want to ask me that question. We'll be here for an hour. Don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> We've got shopping to do in Morrison's. and <laughs> Just keep randomly, <laughs> randomly bursting out. I've still got gas in the tank. <laughs> still got gas in the tank. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Mark. No problem. Thanks for having um, us. We will speak soon. Take care, buddy. Take care. Thank you. And welcome back. So we've got my third and final guest with me for this episode. Um, known this guy for a very, very long time and is actually my very first face-to-face interview. Um, so I've got my friend uh, Tony with me. How you doing? Hello. Here he is. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so jump straight in. So again, we've got the same sort of nine questions that went through with uh, Jim and Martin. Um, so first thing, Susan, uh, how long have you been playing Magic? Four, five years Approximately. Five years approximately. I started playing in a set called Kaladesh. So whenever that got released, yeah. I'm not 100% certain. What got you into Magic? How did you stumble upon it? Watchtower Games, when it was okay. still around in crew. It's a new game, somewhere else to play. Yeah. Could go, we'll play just after Conquest finished. Right at the same time. Yeah. I was playing them both at the same time. Oh, were when you go into the shop to buy Conquest stuff and the shop is loaded with people that play one particular game, it kind of makes you think it's good and worth having a go. True, true. Um, moving quickly then, when did you discover Arena? On release? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was all announced and advertised quite well before okay. it was announced. Did you do the beta? No, I didn't do the beta. It just started off when it got its full release. Okay. Okay, fair enough. How do you feel about the accessibility of the system? Do you think that it's quite easy to uh, pick up as a as a as an online format? Now you can get it on your phone. Yes, very much. So. <laughs> Before that, if you didn't have a computer, you couldn't do it. Yeah. So it's not really accessible if you don't have a PC or. No, I mean like um, easy to get into. So when you when oh, you right, open it up on your PC, yeah, from the yeah. PC for the first time, you're sitting down to it, you're having a go. Do you think to yourself? Ah, this is quite easy, quite, quite like to this. start off with, yeah. You get the tutorials and you mm. get the wild cards very, very, very quickly. Yeah. So then you can look into it and build whatever deck you want. It yeah. gets a bit more difficult after that. 
Okay. I was going to actually say what what format do you mainly play it on? Do you play it on mobile more now, or do you play it on on the computer? Still play on yeah. the computer. Is that your main? Do you have it on your phone or you? I can't remember. If I do, I don't use it. <laughs> do you don't use it. <laughs> do you? So, do you think the digital version of the game is going to pull people from the physical game and have them more focused on the digital, or do you think that it will work in the opposite way and actually get people into the physical game as, as basically a giant advertising? In uh, theory, it will pull more people into playing the real thing. Mm. But if you can only play online and you can work out the way the drawing alg- algorithms work, you can potentially be a millionaire. Yeah, You get the top 10% or something like that, get entered into a massive tournament. Yeah, yeah. Get, you, you win that, you, you're retired. Yeah, yeah. because they're pulling more of the, this was again, as we sort of talked about earlier in this episode and, and what I've talked about before, the, I don't know if we've, we've spoken about it or, but Hasbro announced that Magic Arena, not sort of Magic, but Magic Arena was their joint first, most profitable segment from 2019 and 2020. Um, tied with Dungeons and Dragons, like not just like Wizards, but Hasbro. So that's like yeah. Transformers. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me like this. Yeah. Again, if you've got somebody who's sat at home, especially with COVID, it doesn't cost anything to play, and if you're good at it, you can go win a million with no no need to put any money in yourself in Campbell. Yeah. Why not? Have you put money into it? I bought the original like newbie offer. Yeah, I've not touched anything since. I think the first one's a five ring. You get a fair bit of kit for it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I wouldn't bother. No, unless you're serious in it, of course. If you want to go competitive and go for the mill, why not? Yeah, fair play. We I know we have spoken about it off recording, but you've mentioned about issues with the drawing. Is that something you've had experience of then? I've not played it for a while for that yeah. reason. Yeah. The drawing algorithm is absolute garbage. Yeah. I'm trying to keep my language very like sensible and <laughs> friendly. Thank you. <laughs> now, would you go into, would you explain that then? So what 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 is the issue that you encountered in terms of drawing? What was the actual problem? It's all to do with your land base and your manner. Okay. So when the game draws your opening hands, you actually get two hands. You only see one of them. Mm. The game chooses the one that has the most land in it. So you can see your free card, free land hand, four land hand. Depending on what deck you're playing, that it's a cracking start. And then you won't see another one for the rest of the game. So you'll start off okay, and then you'll be sat there wondering why you bothered. Uh-huh. Or it can go the other way. You've got like 30 land in your deck, so 50-50 chance of hitting one. You get one in your opening hand, but think, 50-50 chance, I can roll with that, surely. And then you will see nothing but land. Uh-huh. Every single draw is a land. Which means, again, you're absolutely screwed. You can't do anything about it. And it just annoys the hell out of you. Uh, hmm, cool. These pro players know how the algorithms work. Yeah. So they can work out... What they need to They've their got decks. more of an understanding on the specific algorithms in that game. If those same players went and tried to play the card version, they wouldn't do so well. Yeah. Because, of course, it really is all random. Yeah. There's no, there's no computer making the decision for you. Exactly. Okay. So one of the things we talked about in this episode is that Magic have started selling directly via Amazon. As a as they've opened up their own shop, yeah. so Wizards now sell directly to customers through Amazon. Do you think that that would impact the local gaming store scene? Do you think long term that is going to make it? Because if you like, I've noticed this. I, I looked on Amazon and I could pick up this one specific uh, Star Deck for nine ninety nine, 
but when I was in a store, they for some reason they had it for twenty one ninety nine. Um, Liliana might have been as well. twenty twenty one. They shouldn't be the the starter decks. Those core ones should be approximately twelve pound, and then when you go, mm. if you've got store on sale for twenty one, I think they're putting Don't. a mask on and asking for your wallet. Ah, oh, okay, that, that's ridiculous. Do you think though them selling to being able to say we're just going to stick to RRP regardless, and we're just going to sell it through our store? Do you think that will impact shops, especially if people are doing that, putting a bit of a mask on and putting it, hiking it up a little bit? It's all about the shop. If you go into a random shop and the, the prices are high, you probably find it, you look around and there's nobody there. Yeah. Well, Manaflow, Manaflux, I always get told off pronouncing it wrong, but <laughs> that's a good example of it. You go in, it's all fairly priced, quite yeah. reasonable, and then you go there on a Friday night for an F&M, before COVID, they would regularly hit 30 people. Oh, wow. Easy. Since then, they struggled to get 15, but things are a bit different at the moment, aren't they? Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. You go to Alchemist, if you want to play Commander, it's good. If you want to play anything else, I wouldn't bother because that group only like Commander. They don't bother with the other formats. Oh, really? Okay. So it all depends on what location you go. Everyone's got their thing that they want yeah. to play. The guys in Newcastle, they take votes on what they want to play on the following Friday. Oh, okay. Wednesday's always Commander, and then your Friday all rotate between the different formats for one on one games. Okay. They also have a coffee shop. <laughs> built in so that's, that's like Geek Retreat Geek Retreat essentially a coffee shop aren't they with, uh, yeah I find Geek Retreat a bit more expensive but yeah, they're a franchise yeah yeah. Um, do you think then because we mentioned there about seeing a lack of numbers do you think players getting it from direct and even players being able to access Arena and with them putting prize money now into Arena do you feel that the, the Friday night magic scene because we briefly mentioned it there do you think that will take a hit long term or do you think those numbers will come back up I reckon they'll go back up when Covid finishes Yeah, people will still play Arena Yeah, it's, it's not a bad format to play I suppose way of playing but I don't know about you it's so much more interesting to play against the person sat across the other side of the table rather than looking at a blank monitor yeah no, no, I, I do agree. I, I think I probably already answered this question then because I was going to say, what do you prefer to play, physical or arena? I'd rather play face-to-face. Face. You get a bit of a banter, you get your mind games. If you want to play competitive, then yeah. it leans that way. You can wind the other person up into making a mistake. That may not be a kosher way of playing as such, but if you're in a competitive environment, why not? Yeah, you can have that, have that, uh, have that banter. Like the poker, turning up wearing a baseball cap, hoodie and sunglasses, you just sit face down the whole time. Everyone's yeah. just kind of like, oh, this guy, what's he doing? Poker's a little bit different because that's pretty much a mind game. Yeah, It doesn't yeah, matter yeah. so much what's in your hand, you just need to win the mind fight and the other guy will fold. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't know if you know as well, the pro, the, the actual physical games pro league, has, pro yeah, is being shrunk and they're putting a little bit more into the arena. Do you think that there is a potential for Hasbro to put more effort into the online arena format in the future and less focus on the physical games? Because now there's like an arena exclusive set, isn't there, that's that's out or coming out? I don't know anything about that. Uh, it might be a reprint one, like they did. The set I started playing in and a few others got remastered arena only. But that'll be their way of adding more sets to the actual system. Mm. The amount of interactions and animations and everything you've got, they've got thousands upon yeah. thousands of cards. That's the only real way they're going to release it properly. Mm. They eventually get every card in the game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I still blame the lack of numbers on COVID. 
Oh, fair play. Well, that's it. As I said, short and sweet. Oh, okay. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll get you back on soon to do some other stuff because we've played Raw Deal versus uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Honestly, <laughs> I probably can't remember much about versus. Raw Deal, I can possibly think of a few things based on our trips to nationals and PPP, the PVP events where we basically just went to the pub. Yeah, essentially. There was what trips was, to Shrewsbury whilst you're hanging out your backside, drunk, yeah. and, and raiding the little bar snack thing about midday when your stomach decides you're hungry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those were fun days. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man, no worries. So there we go. So three interviews, three different perspectives. Very similar in thought for quite a few of them. Um, as I've already said, I haven't really gotten on board with magic. Um, in, done a little bit of arena just to sort of see what it's all about. Um, I bought the arena start kit from Amazon um, to get the code to use on arena. Um, but that's really it. Uh, I, I don't know. There's something still not really pulling me in. But I think it would be wrong of me to not state that this game is, is is the original trading card game. Without this game, would games like Yugi, Pokemon uh, versus Raw Deal, would any of them exist? Maybe. Someone would have probably come up with the concept eventually, but they didn't. <laughs> Magic was the first one. And I think not being... Not not showing at least a level of respect to it for that purpose. It's been going, well, nearly over 20 years. Um, no, nearly 20 years. That's longevity, if, if nothing else. If you want a free-to-play game, you can pick up the app, not pay a penny, like what Martin was sort of saying, where he's not really put anything into it. Um, you could maybe go on down the path like Blakeman did and, and maybe purchase just like the starter kit that they, they offer, which just gives you like a, a little bit of a boost and a little bit of a collection to get you going. You could do what I did, pick up the promo set from Amazon. Um, at the time I bought it, it was five ninety nine. pfft, not anymore. Went on uh, yesterday just to uh, have a look through the store because I wanted to just have a look at some prices and actually I'll, I know I said in my thingy with uh, with, with Tony that um, the Amazon store for Magic was selling everything at sort of recommended retail price but actually they're not, they've actually done what shops have done and they've hiked up prices on certain items so for example the Commander Starter decks for the Forgotten Realms all four are like different prices as opposed to just one set price which I actually think is a little bit naughty, but you know, but the arena starter kit on there now is seven pounds rather than it was is at the time of recording this. It'll probably have gone up again by the time this comes out. Um, so that's a little bit a little bit annoying. I mean, as for magic, it's it's gains in digital content area. It may just push it more towards digital focused. As I mentioned, they have announced that they're actually shrinking the the pro tour, the physical games pro tour. And they're actually going to put a bit more money in terms of the arena price support. So 
again, showing signs that maybe they are moving to an online format. And as Tony said, if the players who sort of can get into the, the draw algorithm and get into the online format, they can make that work for them. Potentially, it's it's an even cheaper, easier cash grab than than playing the physical game. So I'm interested to see how long term this will actually impact the physical game, especially if they do continue to decrease the pro tour and, and decrease price support. Um, for those really big tournaments. Will it impact the physical game in stores or in general? I don't know. Maybe at the um, the top of Hasbro have, have got dollar signs flashing frantically since the success of Arena. So after this entire episode, <laughs> we land back at Flesh and Blood training card game. Which is, they're solely focusing really on the physical flesh and blood play. Do we think they're going to be able to fill those gaps? Like, if Magic are shrinking their pro play, do we think that flesh and blood are going to be able to sort of sink into those holes and, and really expand and grow? I don't know. It'd be interesting to see um, what what will happen moving forward. It's going to be uh, going to be interesting. I mean, Flesh and Blood, I do find is very fun and very interactive, and and it's making waves. I'm seeing it appear in more and more places. But will that give Magic a fight for the? Sh- Maybe not. Uh, Magic still feels very embedded, so we'll see. Thank you so much for joining me for this week. Really appreciate it. Um, on Instagram, Big Boss Book Club. Twitter, Big Boss Zero One Zero. Facebook, Big Boss Book Club. If you have any thoughts, drop us a drop us a comment. Let us know how you feel. Um, I'm quite interested to hear how, how people take take magic. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Big Boss. I'm out. Peace.